Love Talk Radio. Welcome, Serialites, to Season 11. They said we couldn't do it, but, well, they probably didn't say it, but we kind of inferred it. But nonetheless, here we are. Marky, get this season going. How do I do this? Okay. Ready? Ready. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. It's that podcast that, hey, what? It celebrates the themes of Saturday morning cartoons, which I know I grew up with. I bet you did, too. And you know what? They grew up with us, too. The Uh crazy themes. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, just get this out of the way. Understand this right now. I'm your host, Dan Grimshay. Uh, joining me on uh, trailing far behind, though, I think I see Marky. Marky, are you here? Join in. I'm here a distant second to you, my, my fine friend. Damn right. <laughs> I also see right behind you, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski. Jimmy, are you? Are, are, is that you? I'm here and just happy to be invited to the party. Oh, cutting through, cutting through the ether. And you know what? It's a full house again. God damn, it feels great. Johnny Heck, Johnny Heck, aren't you there? Hey, oh, I'm barely here. I don't know why you have me sitting outside, but um, he's out there with the cricket. Yeah, I can, I can see hey, through can the window. The right. Sorry about the cricket noise. I can see you guys through the window. So, couple thanks steps for having back, me, Johnny. Couple okay. steps back. Can you hear me now? Yeah. It's, it's all the laugh track we could afford. Anyway, today we're talking about a kid show. Well, specifically, we're talking about a bunch of kid shows, uh, but it's all brought to us today by the city, uh, by the show City Island. City Island. It's a PBS show. Uh, unless you're a, a child, you probably don't know it, but that's okay. Uh, it is for small children, not by small children. <laughs> That's the great thing. By our friends over at Augen, Augen Glick Studios. Augen Glick Studios. That's right. Out of New York City, our good friend Aaron Augen Glick making, making the show. Third or fourth appearance on the show, I believe. It's, I don't. I don't bother counting because he's just that close to me. I know. And he's and he's such a he is such a good guest that he brought his own guest. That's <laughs> right. He and uh, animation director uh, uh, Katie Went. Katie Went. Yeah, both joined Where'd us. She well, she was here and now she went. She she loves that joke. It's I mean, a horrible yeah, joke. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so uh, so Jimmy and I got to talk to them. I'm sorry about that, Marquis. Uh-huh. Sorry about uh-huh. that, Johnny. But not uh, just on any old topic, I would assume. 
No, no, specifically because City Island, though it's supposed to be grounded enough mm-hmm. to uh, not be crazy, it's it's a PBS show, and it's actually just so it's not massive, just, massive reviews, like just awesome, doing well. This show yeah. is killing it right now with with the it's like the hottest uh, yeah. thing on PBS. Yeah. With the, it, isn't the it three about, to seven year old demographic? Yeah. It is on fire. It's about uh, a city where almost everything is alive. Everything is anthropomorphic. <laughs> yeah. Good word, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some people might say that's kind of weird. It, it <laughs> seems a little weird, yeah. even though they try to make it grounded. So uh, can naturally, you, can it got you the wheels turning. Can you think of other weird So shows? Mr. Aaron Augenblick, our good friend. Our good friend. My good friend. Yep. Your good friend. Making his fourth appearance. At least we figure. Something. <laughs> hey, I, he put together a list of ten of the most zany, off-the-wall shows that, that that we all grew up with. For kids. Yeah. Whether or not we grew up with them, they, they span decades. Yeah, right. But it's just the idea that every kid's show has to be a little in bonkers. Oh, yeah, you're right. They are, yeah. There's right. no there's no basic idea behind a kid's show other than it's crazy and kids will take it. So, in that spirit, long conversation we had with them. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, they made the show. And we're lucky to go along for the ride. Oh, I can't wait to hear this list. And some so, could say that it spanned decades. The conversation yeah. itself <laughs> spanned <laughs> decades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it did go from the 70s right through 60s. Now. Even. Yeah. 60s yeah. through now. Through now. But what is number 10? What is number 5? What is number 1? You'll have to listen to find out. Coming up right now, Magic Interview Machine. Give me a little Aaron Augenblick, me, Jimmy, and of course, Katie went to the interview. Uh, so we've all met, but I'll just to introduce Katie. So Katie's uh, my lead animation director, and not only has she directed uh, City Island uh, all of season one, she also wrote it with me and uh, our writing team, and she also was the uh, uh, animation director for The Jellies on Adult Swim. Ooh. And uh, mm-hmm. what else? Uh, first season of Teenage Euthanasia on Adult Teenage Swim, Mac. Um, I was on Death Hacks. I was the animation Death director. Hacks. Which was super uh, fun. Yeah. Um, done a lot. Because so, yeah. I know you guys are both in the adult comedy world. The, you do kids' cartoons world. You guys do it all. So she, and so does Katie. Awesome. That's, it's, it's that bridge between them that, uh, that keeps us perpetually infantile. And <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny because it's like. In in Asia, there's no delineation between kids and adult stuff. Like it's just it's just animation and comics and manga, right? Like it's like America seems to be the the That's biggest holdout on like there's like anime for a long time. We all know it was like what there's animation for adults. What so it's like you know and nowadays it's getting better. I think because of streaming, everything's so blended up. And I feel like Gen Z probably at this point is like I don't care. But people yeah. my age and older seem very concerned on whether something's an adult or a kids cartoon. Yeah, well, there is. Uh, it seems like there's even, you know, in the industry, some some good reasons for delineation. Like mm. you were mentioning, you know, the uh, the the Writers Guild, how it affects, sure. you know, a Y seven show versus right uh, uh, something live or yeah. Uh, I've had I lots of think... friends. Aaron might have said sorry. Aaron said might have said this already, but like the fact that uh, writers that we talked to were like, oh yeah, don't worry, it's for kids. It doesn't count. It's like. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <A little insulting. laughs> 
Somebody's going to good it. news. Well, yeah. <laughs> is it, um, wouldn't marketing be one of those uh, reasons? The, my, my thing is, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be like, you know, stuff for kids and stuff for adults. What I'm saying is I've, I'm still the generation that I still had to explain to people that cartoons don't just have to be for kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I think people think about it less and less, but it was always like, what? You know, Adult Swim, I, I, Adult Swim, we were lucky to be like on the ground floor of Adult Swim when we did Super Jail. And that was a big deal. That Cartoon Network had like an after hours thing where like it was for adults, you know, so mm-hmm. it's interesting. Oh yeah, I remember. I was a early adopter. I was watching C Lab and all of that. Sure, like, it felt just so hip. Back yeah, then. Space Ghost. It was, yeah, it was. It was like some weird transition from another planet that was like cooler than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, show up. And uh, you know, I. By the way, I think since we're recording and I love everything we're saying, this is all in the interview. Sorry, we oh, didn't have a. Okay. <laughs> We should okay, have probably had an, an official start, but uh, yes, let's just say I like everything we're saying, but let's go ahead and give it some context here okay? Uh, because we're talking about City Island, which parents out there listening might know. Children out there listening probably yeah. shouldn't be, uh, <laughs> but you guys are even renewed for a second season. Mm-hmm. This is animated kid show mm-hmm. on PBS, so I'm, I'm a, it's not too racy, but it's also, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> socially conscious is that yeah is that how i should describe for sure. it yeah we i mean like you know we've talked before and you know like the majority of my studio's content you know we've been around for over two decades now has mainly been in the adult, adult space like comedy central adult swim places like that um you know the jellies ugly americans you know teenage euthanasia super jail those are the things we've been primarily known for we've touched on kid stuff a little bit here and there we worked with um yo gabba gabba a bit we did some uh, uh, work for Mad Magazine on Cartoon Network. We touched yeah. on it a little bit, and then a few years ago, you know, I was just getting so much more interested, you know, in what was going on in the kids' space, because I think in some ways what's happening in the kids' space is more daring than I'm even seeing in the adult space. Some, sometimes I feel like the adult, adult space is getting a little cookie-cutter. Uh, yeah. Things said, tend to look a lot like each other. All the adult shows um, yeah. have a certain sort of vibe. My running um, joke that I say often is that I will go insane if I get asked one more time to make something look more like Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of those requests. So um, anyway, but then there's all this like really cool kid stuff from like Adventure Time to City of Ghosts. I mean, there's just like all these really neat uh, kid shows happening out there, and um, you know, we wanted to try it out. So uh, we sort of brainstormed. A bunch of us got together, and you know, Katie and uh, one of my other creative directors, Devin, and all, we just sort of got together, uh, Dan Powell, got together and sort of brainstormed, like, oh, what are the kids shows you always wanted to see or, like, you always wanted to work on? Like, what is your dream kids show? Because we all grew up watching kids shows. And what's funny is, like, for all the Adult Swim stuff I've been doing, the the influences are always kids stuff. Like, all my influences trace back to, like, things I watched on Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, Electric Company. Like, these are all the things that kind of formed me. So we were like, well, let's make kids shows. So we just all brainstorm ideas. We're all going around the room and, like, my thing was like, well, I always love – my favorite stuff is when, like, shows where the whole world is alive, like Sesame Street, when there's, like, talking cookies and, you know, cabs have a, have a, have a face and a voice. And, you know, like, basically places where, you know, like Roger Rabbit, where, like, everything's anthropomorphic. I love anthropomorphic shows. So it's like, what if we did a show like that? Like, what if we did a show about, like, a city – 
where everything's alive, but the city itself is the show. And then, you know, as soon as, as soon as we started talking about that idea, I said, well, we could have the main character be like a little light bulb uh, that gets, you know, that brightens every time he gets a good idea. And there it was. So the whole idea was sort of there. And uh, we formulated it like a, probably like, what do you think, Katie, like four years ago, maybe five it was pre-pandemic. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it was 2018 that we went to L.A. and we're like, please make Pitching this. Pitching around. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pitched all over the place. We went to Disney. Disney was like, wow, this is really cool. But like, it feels like it was made in Brooklyn. They were like, this feels like very like hip Brooklyn and they were like Disney's a lot of things but we're not hip like you know we have wonderment and and you know magic and enchantment but we don't have much hipness so they're like you should go to PBS kids they do like cool things over there because Linda Semensky's over there and uh she uh she was like behind all the coolest like Cartoon Network Nickelodeon shows so she um I went and talked to Linda and she just immediately loved it and uh greenlit it and we developed it together and pretty quickly while we were developing it because I was always like very cartoon forward I want to have a living light bulb and his best friend's a kite and his you know, all these different things. And uh, pretty quickly they were like, oh, we like that it's a city. We think this show could be about civics. And that's such an important issue in the world today for kids uh, to understand, uh, you know, how their world works. What, what is the community doing? How does the government work? Because uh, if you haven't seen misunderstanding how the government works has been causing a lot of problems in our world. <laughs> people people don't understand how voting works and they storm the Capitol. It's a whole let's, thing. Let's so, keep it light, guys. Let's keep it light. <laughs> keep it light. It's a kid's show. So anyway, but but I joke, but it is true. I think that understanding how how you know how it works to live in a democracy is a hugely important thing. So that's what we're doing, and we're sort of picking up the mantle of like Schoolhouse Rocks by having to do a show that is about important topics, about like I said, about community uh, and social studies. But we're doing it in in the most funny, fun, weirdest way possible. And that's sort of the story of City Island. So, yeah, we've we, uh, put out 20 episodes uh, right at the beginning of this year. We've been greenlit for a second season where we're going to be making a lot more. And I think a lot of things I can't talk about, but there's going to be a lot of City Island coming in the in the coming uh, mm-hmm. year, a few months. That's so great sounds- for a podcast, things you can't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How how far into developing season two are you? Have you? We are right in the middle of writing. Okay. We're right in the middle of writing. We're doing writers' rooms every day, and we structure. You know, coming from you know primetime comedy, uh, we try to approach kids' cartoons the same way. It's it, we're not phoning it in for kids. We have a writers' room with the funniest people I know. We're all brainstorming, trying to make each other laugh, trying to one up each other with jokes, uh, and we are writing episodes. We write essentially six episodes a week, uh, and they're three wow. minutes. So we're doing about oh, okay. six episodes a week that we write, and it's going to be about two months. Uh, it'll be we're in we're about a month in. We have about a, another month to go before we're finished. Well, it sounds it sounds tremendously grounded. Aside from the fact that it's kites and light bulbs and buildings, yeah. well, the, and... the light bulb is grounded. <laughs> or, 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 See, right? you can write for City Island. That is a yeah. absolutely City Island joke. In fact, Katie, write that down. Uh, I don't know if we've it, yeah. used the grounded also, joke. Also, yet. a scab <laughs> willing to cross anything. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Dan, Katie, I, before he got up, I was like asking Dan, like you must do VO for uh, for animation, and he said he hasn't done it yet. 
I ain't no scab. Um, <laughs> it is. It's interesting to hear and say like, oh yeah, like when we were working on adult stuff, like all of our in, my, our references were like Sesame Street, and yeah. now we're like constantly trying to sneak adult like horror movie and like sci-fi yeah. movie references into City Island. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we did an Akira Kurosawa themed episode, yeah. and we, I got my done. favorite oh, UFO related line. I know what I saw mixed in there. So. Yeah, we did an X Files thing. <laughs> we, we 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 like to inject a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in there because yeah. you never know kids will see stuff and they'll be like and like look you know when we all watched like looney i'm sure all of us grew up watching looney tunes right that's what's that the thing that connects people what's looney tunes? <laughs> like just watch i was it. watching looney tunes did i had no idea who humphrey bogart was or peter Lorre or a, any of these references they were making uh, war bonds i didn't know what right. war bonds were but yet i still watched those cartoons so funny voice I mean, is a funny voice and The Simpsons, yeah. And but when I when, when I watched The Simpsons when I was a kid, like all, half of the references were going to my over my head. But luckily, I would hear about them, and then I would like pick up on it later. And then you know, hopefully, you're actually hearing stuff, and then you want to find find out more about it. So we try not well, to. Talk I know. To the kids. I learned to hate uh, Barry Manilow from Night Court without <laughs> ever hearing a uh, note he sang. I learned who Mel Torme was from Night Court. And and I know I have to love him. The Velvet Fog is that mm-hmm. Mel yeah. yeah. Yep. The Velvet Fog. Ah, well, that's that. Uh, I don't want to say what you're creating is a messed up kid show, <laughs> but it is because I think they all are. <laughs> sure. For some reason, you can't make a kid show that is just out and out grounded. I don't think they've tried that since maybe Lassie, who is essentially a talking dog. <laughs> oh, maybe that's say. a. Is that a testament to kids? I mean, a kids child, like stuff that's pretty crazy. A child having a psychic it. connection to a dog isn't like, not weird. <laughs> I think that was more of a Son of Sam situation. Where, like, <laughs> only Timmy it could was just a very him. benevolent yeah. talking dog. Yeah. Thank God Lassie for that. Lassie is an origin story for Son of Sam. Is in the hole. <laughs> there was also the conceit that people could understand Lassie's barking as human words, right? Mm-hmm. What's that, Lassie? Timmy fell in the well? Yeah. <laughs> Which made it <laughs> right into Scooby-Doo the and the Jetsons, and the, the yeah. idea is still out there. Yeah. Do you have a talking, barking dog on City Island? I haven't seen it. It sounds almost Not a talking grounded. dog. What's funny is, like, Does in City just Island... Does he everybody? <laughs> <laughs> he DMs. Uh, <laughs> in City Island, it's funny because it's so outlandish, and we have all these anthropomorphic objects. We're actually weirdly conservative about things like that because it's already so weird. And like we have, like our dogs are not dogs; they're made out of objects. Like we have a dog that was made out of like a Scotch tape roll, and uh, Fizz's dog is or Fizz uh, Watt's dog is named Fizz. He's a seltzer can. Uh, so like. They're already like weird, so that if you added talking to that, I feel like it might it might uh, break break the brains of our viewers. Well, as long as you have that respect for the kids, that's good. <laughs> but it's uh, you know, it's a long tradition of for some reason, kid shows have always got to be a little bit weird that way. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's to to keep the attention or something. But uh, I mean, we just lost, you know, rest in peace, Mister Paul Rubens. Sure. Pee Wee Herman, yeah. you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse was a very big thing. It was yeah. like live action animated for adults and kids before any of that was really being explored. Totally. Uh, as much that and then also for me, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is easily one of my biggest influences. Mm. I come back to that almost everything I've ever done. I think about 
what he accomplished with Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That changed my life. There's something about the tone of comedy, the surrealness of it, but still it felt grounded emotionally. And then just the like overall inventiveness of that world. I mean, there was like Rube Goldberg gags in there. There was, I mean, just everything you could imagine was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And then also, and, and I'm sure Katie could attest to this because I always come back to this character. I like characters that are very excited about what they're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there's, we often talk about Pee Wee Herman when we talk about Watt. It's just like that the purity of intention and excitement, I just, I, I just adore. And I always end up, end up using that in a lot of the shows that we do. Yeah. I think that's what it, it, it sparked for everybody. I was a Pee Wee Herman fan. Everybody else was, but it was, I can say honestly, as a kid, it wasn't something I got onto because everyone else was. Uh, most of the things I liked was because I was, my friends were, you know, they liked it or someone told me to. Yeah. I just remember being enamored with Pee Wee. Yeah. It's always great when you find it yourself. That's a really exciting thing. It's like, it's like finding gold, you know? (laughs) And, and there's another example of, uh, you know, that, that started as like an adult comedy show out in LA, I believe, you know, that then just sort of by its very nature became a kid's show. So. You know, <laughs> so as an adult com- uh, comedian wants to hear is like, you know, kids <laughs> would love this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, I mean, you know, Dan, that cues up. We do have a list. Do you want to hear our list? I I love a good list. Go on, Aaron. Hit it. We love. I I, I, assume, I you know I assume everybody loves listicles. So mm-hmm. Katie and I have been working for days. Because we had been talking about like we like I'm I'm a big fan of the show and this is one of the most knowledgeable animated shows out there by the way as far as shows about animation oh you do and I like your honesty too I I love yeah yeah I love your honesty about the things you'd like and don't like that's great too so anyway you know about cartoons so I wanted to talk about cartoons and since we City Island like you said it is a grounded show it's a wholesome show people have accused it of being weird. Uh, I wouldn't call it weird, but maybe it is a little weird. Um, so we wanted to do a top 10 weirdest kids cartoons countdown. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? I've hit me. Are you, you going to go one on to it. 10 or 10 to one? How much time do we have? I want to, cause I'll, 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 cause we I got time, about we got time forever. for 10 cartoons. 10? <laughs> okay. 10 <laughs> cartoons. Cause I could make it nine. Yeah. Okay. All right. So should I dive in? Yeah, Let's we're going. I've been working yeah. on this. Some counting of these are from, more. Counting things that I'm obsessed with and some of the things Katie I'm obsessed with and some are things we both are obsessed with. Counting okay. down from 10 to 1. 10 to Good. 1. That's 10 the right way one. to do it. Oh, it's yeah. the only way to do it. So <laughs> the top 10 weirdest kids cartoons. Now, I think in, just quickly before I dove into this, we did a lot of research. I, I feel like I, I wanted to go really deep and maybe even pull out some like old Fleischer cartoons. I and mean, we are like, uh, by words, like we all love the skeleton dance. That's a really weird cartoon. Ooh, but yeah. I don't know if I would classify those as kids tunes. They were playing them in the theater for, for families and broad audiences. I, we tried to center our choices on mid seventies to now. That's to me the golden age of, of cartoons made for kids all of these are cartoons that were very specifically made for kid audiences they're like there's not like it's not like pixar was like the whole family's gonna love it these are only made for kids maybe in an even condescending way so uh hence maybe some of the weirdness of some of these so from the golden age of marketing integration yes (laughs) the golden time to be alive 
Some would call this the golden age of garbage, uh, but there's some good <laughs> things on here too. There's some good things on here too. Um, okay, number ten. Top ten weirdest kids' cartoon. We are choosing to be Turbo Teen. Are you familiar with Turbo Teen? Turbo Teen. I don't think I am. Okay, Turbo Teen, and all of these, I recommend your audience just look it up on YouTube uh, if you're intrigued. Turbo Teen, it probably should be higher on the list, but I wanted to start strong. Turbo <laughs> Teen is incredible. It's 1984 for the ABC network. Now, the company is interesting, maybe to animation nerds like ourselves. They're called Ruby Spears. Now, Ruby Spears was created okay. by ABC as a specific way to take down Hanna-Barbera. Hanna-Barbera was the most popular animation company, so ABC decided, let's just put our money into putting out worse product for cheaper <laughs> that could possibly defeat uh, Hanna-Barbera, which was already making terrible product. Um, so that's Ruby Spears. <laughs> I like Turbo phrasing Tug. it as defeat, <laughs> not just compete with. <laughs> defeat. So yeah. with Turbo Don't get into kids' shows unless you're willing to kill. Yeah. Right. Oh, I <laughs> want I want both of them in the in the ground buried dead. <laughs> it is competitive. Uh, Turbo oh. Teen is about a teenager named Brett Matthews who is drive right in the opening. One of the things I like about old kids shows is they would often have the entire premise as the opening of the show. They would literally just tell you what the show was about every single episode. So that was kind of good. Uh, and also, teen, I have just I have just Googled Turbo Teen. Yes. And I thought this was a nightmare I had as a kid. <laughs> I did not actually realize it's that every was kid's real, nightmare. but I absolutely remember. That. Every yeah, I'm kid's sorry. nightmare. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Explain it because it is bizarre. Teenager Brett Matthews uh, is driving down like a it looked like a cliff or some like rocky mountain when lightning hits him. Right? No. Katie? It, okay. It hits a tree <laughs> next to him. It knocks right. the tree over, causing right. him to drive off the road through a set of like wooden barn doors into a laboratory. Uh -huh. Where he is then fused with his car on a molecular level. Yes. He, 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 the child and the car merge into one. So what it becomes is basically they found a way. The most popular show at the time was Knight Rider. Uh, and they found a way to make Knight Rider into one character. So both Michael Knight and Kit were one character together. So he was a human kid whenever it got hot. Whenever he had the temperature hot, he'd turn into a sports car. It's a temperature-based uh, power. It is a te temperature-based power. He also had a dog and friends, and him, his dog, and his alter ego, the car, would solve mysteries together. Which is a big theme of the era, is mystery this, solving. This was actually on my list. But I thought it was I thought it was called Mask for some reason. But that's the one I was thinking of. Like Mask the, is similar. It's a similar I'm, show. I'm this, thinking I think of the weird. one scene where he's they like they're like showing him from a three quarter shot behind, and he turns into the car, but his his butt kind of turns into the rear end of yeah. the car. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's, image is very weird in my brain. The transformation yeah. scene that they animate is like uh, straight out of. An American Werewolf in London. Right, yes, right, right, right. We were yeah. watching it earlier just to brush up, and we were thinking that we would love to just overdub screaming over the transfer because it looks so, the way his arms extend out and his butt becomes the trunk. It's so painful looking. It's completely yeah. Insane. If you, you could just take the audio from that first transformation in a Werewolf from London, <laughs> <laughs> the cracking and the yeah, oh yes. 
Yes, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a terrible show. There's a <laughs> uh, there's a the fun fact on that one because we did our research. There, the villain on that show, his name is Dark Rider, and I think he's like a big truck. And it was the same. It was Frank Welker who was the voice of Megatron. Ooh, yeah, Megatron. He's also a very prolific. He's also uh, uh, Scooby Doo. The now he does Scooby, right? And uh, he used to do the actual Scooby Doo. Really? Uh, that well, I, I think because he's uh, not in a negative way, kind of older and can't, uh, his voice isn't what it used oh. to be. So for, for legacy purposes. be adjacent sounds at this point. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, the name escapes it. Fred. Fred. He was the original Fred. Really? Oh, wow. That's good to know. So that that's number 10, Turbo Teen. Yeah, I can... Keep it moving. Well, yeah, the bar's pretty through. high now. Let's, okay. Let's yeah. I know. Yeah. I think Turbo Team technically should be way higher. Than like I you said, can only I go down with a bang. Here. Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that because number nine is uh, – the number nine top ten weirdest kid show is The Care Bears. Uh, one of the worst shows. Um, Care Bears dare you. may not seem. I'm gonna. I'm no, gonna be. I shouldn't be there. insulting. You know, I shouldn't be insulting. I make cartoons, and it's a very difficult thing to do. So I should say at the outset, congratulations to all the creators that made these shows, because it's very hard to make. Just we live done. in a commerce-driven yeah. industry. It is very difficult. I, I look watching. Uh, well, there's a thing down, a little down the list. We were watching. I was like, I can't even imagine. And I was just imagining getting this job. You know. I mean, and somebody's saying, like, oh, you have to, like, for example, Turbotine, hey, we need you to make a, a show about a, a child that merges with a car. Like, that's a really weird thing. So th- uh, my heart goes out to the animators, and congratulations on all your hard work. That being said, The Care Bears is a terrible show. Uh, now, it doesn't, now, I don't think people would run to this as a weird show, but, Katie, you had a good point about Care Bears. When right? you start thinking about it, it's pretty weird, though. It's a bunch of bears, and then they're like other animals who are adjacent to them that you learn about, I guess, later down the line. And they like, don't live in heaven. They just yeah. live in a magical cloud-based society in the sky, I guess. Yes. Which yes. at also, some point it, in development must have been heaven until right. someone it, said, it no, 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 we should like they're dead. I think that's yes, the weirdest right? thing about Care Bears. They are dead. They're dead in heaven. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and as, as the viewer, we're in a coma or some sort <laughs> right. of purgatory, right? Yeah. Well, I, they, I think so. Amen. These, so the Care Bears started as a uh, greeting card series, which is weird. Mm, that makes and, sense. Right? And uh, they also, like, so they were products first, obviously, because launched in 1983 was, like, the product launch. But then the show was launched in 1986. So we had a solid three years of products built up before the show <laughs> even came out. Um, and I also remember watching the movie a lot as a kid. So yeah. the movie's premise, the movie opens with – friend bear and secret bear which is already ominous going down from heaven they don't call it heaven but it's heaven going down from heaven to an orphanage where they meet up with two siblings who are in the orphanage because their parents died in a car crash wow secret bear and friend bear are there to cheer them up wow they they died too right This this is their vision of heaven there's a Don't disturbing... be sad your parents are dead. We're there's here. A, there's a disturbing <laughs> level of altruism, you know, with the Care Bears that's very strange. They're, like, they're from – their land is called Care-A-Lot, and they have a mission <laughs> of caring. Uh, and the evil villain is Lord No Heart, 
So, like, there's just something very culty about all of this. There's, like, yeah. a Jim Jones kind of – there's something really, like, the dark side of, of hippie, like, the late 60s, yeah. like, yeah. kind of thing that's that's very disturbing to me. Yeah, I feel and bad, I think... like, roasting empathy, but <laughs> – Empathy is important, but I they feel like it it's pretty insincere. Thick. Yeah, I, I think it's insincere. It was a little easier to write for these cartoons back then. <laughs> it sounds like based on those names, Lord, no, I don't know, Lord, no. That, yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. I, my favorite joke of all time, one, one of my favorite jokes is the Simpsons, the Poochie, the Rock and Dog episode. Nope. When they say, you know, a character named, uh, I don't know, something like Poochie, the Rock and Dog, but not that terrible. And then they start the yeah. show and it's Poochie, the Rock <laughs> Poochie and the Dog. Rock. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so great. Uh, okay, I can hit the next one. Number eight. This is one you should be familiar with. Uh, cat Dog. Does everyone know oh, yeah. Cat Dog? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cat Dog. Okay. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Which, so this was 1998. This was a, had a long run from yeah. 1998 to 2005 on Nickelodeon. Now I would say this is not a bad show. It's no. actually a pretty interestingly weird show. So I wouldn't say this is. Some of these are weird by accident, like they just were poorly made. This one was actually very well made. I believe it might have been at the tenure of the person I mentioned at the top, Linda Semensky, might have been there at this time. This was when I, I Nickelodeon was doing some really coolly weird shows like Rugrats and all those things. So uh, I would say it's a pretty good show, but it is weird. Katie, you, you know a lot more about it than I do, right? Yeah, I, I was a big cat dog fan, but it is definitely weird. It was one of those things that I didn't think about about it that hard as a kid but then every now and then the series would sort of draw attention to itself and how weird it was there's an episode where a cat climbs inside his own mouth to clean dog's teeth from the inside <laughs> and the image from that is haunting again it's like I, it's one of those like wow they really like were just willing to like traumatize kids there was like for for people what? that don't know cat dog katie do you want to describe what the character cat sure. dog was um cat dog is a pair of brothers, one is a cat and one is a dog, and they're connected in the middle. And there's four legs on it, so there's no, like, no exit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's pretty, like, I, I, like, did some reading, like, just today, because I'm like, wait, how do they, how do they go to the bathroom? And the creator specifically said, no one wonders how Mickey goes to the bathroom. Like, like, (laughs) all right. Well, I do now. I know, right? I know exactly. (laughs) Wasn't it true that this was the cartoon that inspired Human Centipede? Oh, I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. Pet Centipede. Some... <laughs> Pet Centipede. Uh, that's a it weird also, one. It seems to me like someone had a very simple like brainstorming session and then right. gave almost impossible direction to an animator. I don't know how like, you would animate uh, cat this. and dog together. Right. Make that make go draw that or uh, in this one the cat goes inside its own mouth to clean the dog's teeth. Make well, that on screen. To be honest, I'm kind of jealous of the concept because I was like, oh man, this is like built-in conflict for as long as you need it to roll. Like, yeah, true. <laughs> the, well, they did the personality thing where the dog's more likable and the cat was kind of like uptight. And the cat is a lot like Squidward, a character that I relate to a lot more as I get older. Now I'm like, man, I feel I feel like I really should. Uh, giving this guy more more leeway. That is an interesting thing. As we get older, if we go back and watch those shows, we we are rooting for different characters. I think right. I, I get Oscar the Grouch much better now. I know. Yeah. I Me never too. understood what his problem was as a kid. I we just saw Sesame Street the musical because we're big shot PBS stars now. And uh, the, uh, the when when Gra- Oscar the Grouch came out, it was like seeing. 
George Clooney. It was such a big deal. <laughs> it was like really exciting for me. It was the audience great. lost <laughs> their damn minds. Three minute yeah, ovation. People went bananas. <laughs> it was huge, huge. Cookie Monster too. Get, yeah, gets Cookie a, Monster. A big response. <laughs> no one, no one. These. I wasn't a big Elmo person, but no one has Elmo star power like yeah. today's kids. Oh, and I'll say, if we're talking about weird cartoons, you know, Cookie Monster did a whole musical sequence about how much he loves to eat cookies, and the backup dancers were living cookies. So, I mean, I find that weird. I mean, think about eating the very dancers that he's dancing with. They experience fear at the end and run away. Yeah, They do. They run away. So, good. Well, I'm glad they're that aware. Right. (laughs) We, We have to be very careful with food on City Island. A lot of conversations are about food. I'm very sensitive about it because they're living in in our world, and we don't want yeah. to think that you got show me, characters are eating each other. Um, now you got me wondering, how does the light bulb go to the bathroom? Oh my god! I, <laughs> we're gonna have to. Well, we'll talk Stay about. Stay tuned for season two. <laughs> we're gonna have the, to talk the, about that. The where season food, on City Island. Where does food go when the kite eats? Is a big one that's haunts, haunted me that's lately. That's very disturbing. Um, yeah. Disturbing. Does the does the string from her kite just grow out of her? Does it shed? That's another thing we've talked yeah. about. Yeah, like a hermit is crab. This, is the string her intestine? And <laughs> oh, somehow at the end, that's very disturbing. <laughs> okay, uh, or is it just a leash that the man we'll uses to that. control her? <laughs> <laughs> so the age range is six to eight. Just to remind okay. everybody. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. So the, so never the too early one, to challenge them. The next one is a bit – now, this was a tough one because it's a tie. Number right. seven is a tie. Top ten weirdest kids cartoons. Number seven is a tie between two – so Cat Dog's a pretty good show. These are two incredibly terrible shows. Let's see if you guys know these. Gilligan's Planet For sure. and, and the Robonic Stooges. Do you guys know both of those? Yeah. Okay. I know the Robotic Stooges. I wasn't familiar with okay. Gilligan's Planet. So I'm these, honest. so these were as close in time frame. Uh, Gilligan's Planet was 1982. The Robotic Stooges was 1977. Gilligan's Planet is exactly as it sounds. Uh, it was on CBS. It is a show in which the crew of Gilligan's Island are space explorers for some reason. Uh, that's not explained, but they do crash <laughs> land because what was it, Katie? Does it because Gilligan throw a banana peel or something? Mm-hmm. I can't I, like, remember. He does something right in the opening. I didn't uh, watch either of these shows. It's just interesting to watch two like really successful entertainment brands in their death throes try to create yes, yes. <laughs> death throes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think Gilligan throws banana peel that gets in the engine or something. They crash land on a planet, and now they are marooned on a planet. So it is everything Gilligan's Island, but it's on a planet in outer space. Um, the Fun fact of this one is it is the entire real cast. I Every, ask. Everyone on it, it's, it's Bob Denver, it's all the original cast uh, voicing their own characters, but yeah. yet still incredibly terrible. And that one was Filmation, which uh, made a lot of pretty bad shows. I think they might have made did, – did, oh, Deke made Care Bears. I should have pointed that right. out. But Filmation, I believe, did He-Man. He- he- yeah, mm-hmm. Deke. Uh, I be- believe Filmation was He-Man and Thundercats. Uh, mm-hmm. So that one's terrible. Uh, Robonic Stooges is the other number seven. It was a split. This was Hanna-Barbera, not Filmation, although they're very similar companies. In 1978, this is the late 70s, CBS decided to turn the Three Stooges into bionic secret agents where they were fighting <laughs> crime – using their natural ability to uh, insult and punch and kick and bite each other. And then uh, they were working for their agent, uh, 
I think triple zero was the, was like their uh, Charlie to Charlie's Angels. They didn't call him double O zero. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Double O zero. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. And I, I, I as I recall, they had sort of a Inspector Gadget situation yes. going on where the yes. things would come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their heads extended. They did right in the beginning. You see them right. being built into these like bionic robots. Yes. It was an early uh, glimpse at AI, the dangers of AI. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it was. It blew my mind a little bit to be like, oh, you know that like physical comedy that where like it's it, it, you really only get it if you see them doing it live. What if we recreated it in clunky animation with bionic? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> But, yes. but we can't have anybody punching anybody. Make them robots. Yes. <laughs> oh, I wonder if that was the gestation yeah. of it. Maybe. But uh, and, and the voice is what we They just got drunk yeah. and played Mad Libs yeah. with an yeah. early script. <laughs> you do imagine one of those uh, dartboards with just like robots, <laughs> yeah, three stooges, <laughs> Gilligan's Island, outer space, and they were just like, think. Like, yeah, worked. do it, but not that bad. <laughs> the, and the and the Three Stooges was very much not the real Three Stooges. The voices barely sound like the actual Three Stooges. They're terrible. Super bad. Super bad. But again, congratulations to the entire team. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You did it. Congratulations, everyone. Okay. And you, no, and you said that one was uh, Hanna-Barbera? That was that was Hanna Barbera uh, in the late seventies and Gilligan's Planet was filmation. Um, okay, you ready for the next one? Now, this is another one that I would categorize as a well-made show. These aren't as fun, maybe, but like a well-made but totally weird show on Cartoon Network in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that's Courage the Cowardly Dog. Are you guys fans of that show? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, So this is John Dilworth, who I've gotten to spend a little time with. He's very eccentric and interesting (laughs) and funny. Um, and he, uh, this is a very John Dilworth kind of show. It was made by Stretch Films, which is his production company. Um, Katie, you're a big fan, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hers of the Cowardly Dog is one of those, I, like, I almost, you know, I call this one weird with love because it's sort of like, I would call Hers of the Cowardly Dog a 24 horror for kids. Yeah. It's like sort of introducing <laughs> oh. you to these concepts that aren't like necessarily like scary. They just kind of freak you out. Yeah. Like, it's a horror show, and it's, it's like kind of make you uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to? So, so the concept is that courage is like this super because I think it started with a short that John yes, made. It did, the short, the yeah. uh, the short, which was the like de facto pilot, was actually nominated for uh, best animated short in the Academy Awards. That's amazing. So, and it was basically that there's like a super scared dog, and all these horrific things are happening. There's out. a dog living on a in a in a farmhouse in a town called Nowhere, Kansas or on the outskirts, I guess, of a town called Nowhere, Kansas, with mm-hmm. Muriel, his, to my knowledge, inexplicably Scottish female owner, mm. who's a very sweet old lady, <laughs> and her husband, Eustace, who is possibly one of... So, like, earlier I said that Cat becomes... Cat from Cat Dog becomes more understandable to me as I become an adult. Eustace is not. He is still an asshole. And he kind of <laughs> that. Still not <laughs> redeemed. The older I get, the more I'm like, no, I was right. <laughs> he's not redeemable. Um, he's very financially motivated. He scares poor Courage for no reason. Mm. Um, Courage is also the one of those weird dogs that seems to speak only in frightened man noises. 
<laughs> that's right this this uh, the animation is really really good uh yeah. it's very very specific to dilworth and it was also i i feel like it was the first time i saw that kind of like photoshoppy backgrounds they were doing yeah. a lot of mixture of like real photographs with textures and it's it's a cool style and this was like i i feel like a sweet spot for cartoon network they totally. were making some really cool stuff at this it's, time it's very like y2k aesthetic honestly yeah like in it a is. weird way that's um, a cool it's pretty show. cool and you know, honestly, it's again, it's like just kind of fun to introduce horror for kids. Some of yeah. it gets real weird. I mean, the episode burned in my brain that a lot of people probably know is called Freaky Fred about the guy who just wants to shave courage. Yeah. And he kind of recites a creepy poem the whole time through the episode. Just what, wow. like so in that way, it is a weird show. I, I like every time I talk about these episodes, I'm like, how did they like sell this to executives? Like, yeah, I don't. Well, there was cool <laughs> like, people. Like like I said, Linda yeah. Semensky was over there. There's a lot of really cool people there, and yeah. that's the key. If you can have cool people in executive positions, I cool know. things get made. Yeah. So. That's a call uh, well, out. Well, Hopefully, cool people will get in charge of companies. That'd be all great. Those, uh, to all those cool, cool people, people listening. Right hey, now. PBS Kids are the coolest people. I am oh. so sincere about that. They have always been super, super enthusiastic and super supportive of everything we do. Our, our producer, Gavin, is brilliant, and they have always been really encouraging of our show. And it's one of the reasons we can make a show like this. You can't make good shows if networks don't let you. That is true. Speaking that, of that, good uh, shows, how is that a good place? <laughs> would you say PBS would be a good place pitch for young animators who have show ideas? A hundred percent. They're one of the few places making content right now, which is amazing. Oh, really? But the key to PBS is don't approach them unless your curriculum is fully integrated into the yeah. show, right? I mean, don't just pitch them a show that you pitch somewhere else that you're like, oh, maybe this could be about, I don't know, math. So like, make sure that it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually educational and it's educational in a new way. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've uh-huh. said the because, word curriculum more in the past year than I oh, have yeah. in the rest of my entire <laughs> life combined. It, it uh, yes, it's welcome it's, to it's public a, television. Right? It's been a great place. I, look, look, it's I fun, got to actually. meet the it's good. I got I like to meet it. the head of PBS uh, last month, and I I told her I was like, look, I got to say between uh, watching PBS when I was a kid, between watching Sesame Street and Monty Python, it formed mm-hmm. my entire concept for of comedy. Sure, so, for thank sure. you. I was like, thank you. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah. now I hate to make a hard turn away from all this quality we're talking Another about. Another Y2K though. But we have a similar time frame, actually the exact same time. In 2001, yeah. I hazard to say maybe one of the worst cartoons <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you guys know this one. It's called But Ugly Martians. Have you ever heard of this show? I don't know that. I don't know. It was actually a show on Nickelodeon. We were just saying how great Nickelodeon was. Uh, Unfortunately, on Nickelodeon, they dropped the ball and made a show that literally was called Butt Ugly Martians. It was a CGI show uh, in which Martians come to Earth and they're addicted to American culture. The concept isn't really actually that interesting. I was say, the execution <laughs> is shockingly uh, horrible. It's, yeah. it's one of the worst looking shows ever made. And again, congratulations to everyone that worked on it. You finished a show and that's a hard job to do, but it is aesthetically very shocking to look at. No, plus if we ever find Martians, that thing's going right in the cancel can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very offensive to Martians. I feel offended to Martians. <laughs> because if the title is a promise, they deliver. Um, yeah. uh, the the uh, character. Well, 
the characters one uh, another odd thing about it because like it's true it's like uh, with ideas like you got to protect a good idea ideas should be fully formed for inexplicably there a theme of the show is that all of the characters are named after uh 50s early rock and roll or at songs. least the, the three martians are there well there's bebop aluna Two two T fruity. That's with the numbers too. Sort of like a C three PO situation. Do wa diddy, uh, do wa diddy, yeah. uh, and shaboom shaboom are the main characters. Well, sure they got they they figure that's how Americans talk. Oh well, oh uh, maybe the American culture thing. Oh, you maybe know they're watching they they're watching from their UFO out in space. Now I've never seen an episode of this. I've never yeah. seen it. I'm <laughs> actually <laughs> completely stumped. Uh, I've you never know, even heard I of that one. You hate me a Martian. This could also... <laughs> but, but it's time somebody put that Martians in their place. That's for sure. It's about time. They got I, their comeuppance. The, I, the, I was just going to say, the the title of this could have been also called Uncanny Valley, the show. Because <laughs> the CGI is so hard to look at because the human characters are, they're like just sort of floating and sometimes they pass through furniture by accident. It's very disturbing. Oh. I I was I I loved CG and in the early 2000s when lots of small yeah. places were trying to do it yeah. I tried to encourage it. There's a couple of shows I really liked back then that I don't think I could go back and watch. It's rough. Yeah, I watched Reboot around the same time, mm-hmm. and that one was sort of a classic of like, whoa, this is like yeah. definitely attempt at, an attempt at CGI that I don't know if it's working or not. But they like they did couch it in like this digital world that made it yeah. kind of work. This is a, a horrifyingly real world representation <laughs> yeah. in but ugly Martians. Yeah, and, and but and look, Jimmy Neutron wasn't that far behind. It might have been a, yeah. a year or two later, and it you know, but ugly Martians makes Jimmy Neutron look like The Incredibles. I mean, it's like crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the but ugly Martians walked so that Jimmy Neutron could run. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so another one now. Okay. CGI. And the next right. one is also CGI, and this is the most modern show on our list of weird shows. And I know it's something yeah. that all of you know. It is a show based on a movie called Boss Baby, The Boss oh, Baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. We yeah. find this show incredibly weird. I don't think it gets credit for how weird it actually is. It is an incredibly strange show. I will say this. I don't mind Boss Baby. I thought it was actually kind of funny. It has its moments, but it is very weird, and there's a lot of things yeah. that are a little wrong about it. It has its moments. Its lore is just crazy. It's crazy. So, <laughs> Katie, do you want to dig up the, the lore? Yeah. I mean, Aaron knows my issues with this. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is a premise in Boss Baby in the movie and in the show, kind of confirmed by the show, that – Babies are competing with puppies for a finite amount of love in the world. And I thought that that was going to be kind of a misconception, kind of like in uh, Monsters, Inc., how, like, they're like, oh, screams are the best power. And then at the end, it's like, oh, no, laughter is the best power. I thought there was going to be, like, a hard 180. Like, no, love isn't finite. Love can grow forever. It is never denied that love is finite. It's just that the babies defeat the puppies. And, like, in a sense, yeah, and it's it's – there's like it's kind of there's like a sibling rivalry thing going on where like oh yeah there's enough love for like both of the siblings but no love is finite unfortunately yeah. so that I, premise is sort of like harped on damn. in the series apparently I know and so that I find semi disturbing and then there is also sort of the origin of the babies and the boss babies is like a 
deep, deep exposition dump that is pretty. Yeah, crazy. this is what confuses me. I, I mean, I've, Jimmy, have you you've watched Boss Baby, right? Uh, I'm no, I'm very familiar. <laughs> You've never with seen the movie. I've seen both of the movies. Okay, and Jeff, my, can you explain to me the premise? What those babies even mean? Because I, I fully don't understand it. Well, they run a secret corporation, right? In the and, sky. Uh, I think they're in a big in building, a, right? I don't think they're in the I, sky. I thought they were in the clouds, kind of like uh, Care Carolot. Carolot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, okay. My son really likes that show. Though. Yeah. They He's, took over Carolot in a buyout. Which is how that Laura right. would do it. Yeah. It's just it's it's definitely like a fantastical world where babies are a corporation. They're infiltrating people's houses. I can't tell whether or not people actually like uh, have intercourse to breathe because <laughs> there's no reason to because these babies just go into your right. house. It's, it's, kind it's of odd. The, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of the Santa is real cartoon problem of like right. Where do the presents come from then? Do parents, like, just kind of accept this? Yeah, because, I mean, if the family, like, the baby shows up and they're just, oh, we have a baby now. Like, and it, they don't question that it just came up one day. And they definitely don't seem as bothered by the fact that it showed up wearing a suit as I would if I had a child. <laughs> There's also the fact that only some babies are boss babies. Yeah. They drink a formula that keeps them smart, but also baby. And then the pacifiers can make you astral project, yeah. I think, There's is a part of it. Is this I think, from the TV show? That's, yeah, they, that's in the movie. That's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. the formula in the movie. Right. I, it's one of these things that I actually think that, um, you know, the director of Boss Baby is actually a pretty a pretty great director. Oh, uh, yeah. Who, who, like, you know, worked, with, you know, at, at, you know, on, like, Ren and Stimpy and a lot of other cool mm. things. And he did Megamind, uh, he wor- which I love. He did Megamind, mm. and he also did um, uh, Cool World. He worked on Cool World with Bakshi. <laughs> so he knows <laughs> animation. So I actually think the direction is so polished, you don't notice how insane and convoluted the concept is. You know what I mean? Pretty amazing like, trick to pull off. It, it, it <laughs> is. It is. It's a good trick. And it's funny. It's a funny one. But it is very, very weird. And it's very strange. Uh, Alec Baldwin's really great in it. Um, oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's – I would I, – you know, the ones that, like, it's weird and terrible or weird that's really good. I, I think I would vote Boss Babies on the good side. But yeah. it is super strange. It is very, very strange. And that's DreamWorks. I'm so. just glad someone finally came out and started empowering babies. Just it's been about overlooked time. for so long. About time, <clears throat> and it's not every uh, every you know kids show that can be you know referencing David Mamet. So that's rare <laughs> when they do the coffee is for closers gag. That was a good one with Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Okay, we're we're down to the top three. Right. All right. Uh, Hit me with them. Hit top me with them. Ten weirdest kids cartoons. Now we're getting into I believe. Well, okay. Two of these are things I love. One of them may be the worst cartoon ever made. Possibly. Okay. This one, number three, is one of my favorite cartoons. Well, this is a weird one. This is my favorite yeah. kid's show. I slipped in here a show that's not technically animated, but I hope you agree that it deserves to be on this list. And this is H.R. Puffin Stuff. Uh, Dan and Jimmy, are you H.R. Puffin Stuff people? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I couldn't do a list of weird kids programming that I didn't include H.R. Puffin Stuff. It was a huge influence on me. It is truly strange. It's possibly irresponsible. It is an irresponsible <laughs> promotion for psychedelics for eight-year-olds. Uh, oh, it worked on me. It. <laughs> this is 1969. Yeah. I know I was watching it when I was a kid in the, in the mid-70s, mid to late 70s. So, you know, look, 
I loved it. It was on NBC. It was playing all through the 70s, which is where I first saw it. Now, it starred Jimmy, H.R. Puff and stuff, Freddie the Flute, Witchy Poo, Orson Vulture, one of the better names, Seymour Spider, and great name for a character, Stupid Bat. Uh, so if you don't know HR Puff and stuff, it's about, uh, Jimmy is a little boy. And like I said, there's another show that they give the entire premise right in the opening and you get to see it every episode to remind you what you're watching. That's so great. A little kid is as most kids would do in the seventies, uh, walk. He was dancing in, in a abandoned in an empty forest playing the flute. Uh, when he comes upon a boat, a multicolored boat that I believe says on the mast of uh, Living Island. And uh, again, as what any any rational kid would do, he gets in the boat. Got to get goes in. Goes off, got to get in the boat, <laughs> goes in the thing. Then Witchy Poo, the witch, shows up, shoots uh, lightning, I believe, or magic at the boat, turning yeah. it into an evil boat. It turns into a, a, a big black evil boat <laughs> that then takes him to the Living Island, which is where all the HR puppet stuff characters live. And these are all big puppet people uh, dancing, and they all look super super weird there's patches of mush of magic mushrooms there's living trees living everything the whole world is living it was a huge influence on city island uh, i'm sure pbs would be unhappy to hear me say that but it was a big influence <laughs> that look i was watching this in sesame street at the same time i was born in 1975 so late 70s was like a big deal for me for watching stuff when i was super little so uh between Sesame Street, H.R. Puff and stuff, like this was like very, very, uh, you know, forming uh, my 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 worldview watching this the, stuff. The super early version of City Island did have a human child stuck there. When I pitched it to everybody, I was like, oh, a little kid goes into a world and it's all alive. And everyone's like, that's really disturbing. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess it kind of is. And that's and removing the human kid was what, you know, made City Island City Island. Not so, HR Puff and stuff. They're doing it. He's trapped here. I don't know. So I'm curious. Uh, Dan, Dan I Jimmy, never liked Christopher Robin fans? and Winnie the Pooh anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, nobody, I'm, nobody I'm a pretty it. big fan. I think, that's awesome. Uh, what do you think? I, I think Jimmy was uh, probably died in that boating accident. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's the way his mind is coping with it. Um, but I'm sure also, that's true. also sort of interesting. Uh, I'm I'm sure you may or well, you may or may not know that uh, McDonald's had to get rid of Mayor McCheese because uh, wow. Hanna Barbera sued him due to the likeness of HR. I, I, I never I knew that. that. I All I that. knew was that McDonald's him. totally ripped off yeah. HR Puff and Stuff for their entire ad campaign. People don't realize that HR Puff and Stuff came first before mm-hmm. the McDonald land. So that's true. Yeah. But yeah, that's also true. similarly, that was a big part of my childhood and would get yeah. pretty excited when that came on. Yeah. 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 Super big deal. And And by the way. I, I part of me was just going to classify this as just Sid and Marty Croft because mm-hmm. you've got so you got Sigmund the Sea Monster, nope. you've got Lid, Lidsville. So Sigmund Lidsville. the Sea Monster is about a sea monster character that befriends be of you know a kid. Lidsville, where they go to a world where everybody is hats, is equally bizarro and yeah, super yeah. funny and strange, and like the transparency yeah. of the drug references is kind yeah. of amazing. I mean, lids and like I mean the magic <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> I mean, this was definitely, I feel like, you know, people my age, Gen Xers, we were sort of um, uh, the victims of hippies that had to get jobs 
You know, so they were like, oh, we have to get jobs. Oh, maybe we'll work in children's television and we'll, we'll use everything we've learned from, you know, tripping on acid for days on end and touring with the dead. We'll put that in our kids' shows. And, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm better for it, but I will say it, it's, it's a bit cool insidious. Yeah. Looks like you, you were able to take it and run. Uh, and I also, listeners, uh, I think a few seasons ago, we did a whole episode about the uh, the Sid and Marty Croft verse, where we even talked to Marty I didn't Croft hear that episode. And, oh, my God. Oh, I didn't was, uh, see that one. Okay. It was a good I'm one. He was not one. nearly as high as you might have thought. That's Aww. amazing. Uh, well, I'm going to go watch that or listen to that <laughs> one as soon as I get off here. Okay. We're running out of time, I bet. So it's been an hour. But so here's the we're, we're down to the top two. Top okay. two. Top two well, strangest cartoons ever made. Also, in coincidentally, number two, maybe the worst cartoon ever made. Have Dan and Jimmy, have you ever heard of Rubik the Amazing Cube? Uh, I, I sort of remember that one from the 80s, right? That's, this was, you're yeah. correct. That's 1983 yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah. ABC. We mentioned the abysmal company Ruby Spears earlier. This was mm-hmm. also a Ruby Spears production. Whoever made this show... Uh, again, congrats, congratulations on all your hard work. This was – they got the task of – they said, you know, Rubik's Cubes, kids seem to love Rubik's Cubes. Why don't you make a show where the main character is a Rubik's Cube? And not only did they have an impossible task, I believe they answered the call in the worst way possible. God, uh, it's just boring. Katie, what's the concept? <laughs> so four kids uh, discover – that when you okay, let's like go back. <laughs> a Rubik's cube falls off of an evil magician's stagecoach. Four kids mm-hmm. find it and figure out that when you solve it, he comes to life, and he has powers that seem to be basically <laughs> ma- manipulating reality in any way he feels like. Uh, and they decide that the, the best use for the, right, the best use for these powers. Solving mysteries. Solving well, the course. And yeah. please, everybody needs to look this up. It's on their episodes are on YouTube. And again, if I was tasked with making a Rubik's Cube show, I believe I could make a character out of the Rubik's Cube itself. They decided to add an alien face, right? A blue it's alien horrible. face and legs to the Rubik's Cube. Uh, inexplicably, there's no reason to do that. We anthropomorphize things all the time. You don't have to add a, a, a alien face to it. It's hideous to look at. It's, it's disturbing. It's like a whole head sticking out of it. It's like a it's, little blue baby gremlin old man head. It's almost the perfect storm of everything you could possibly do wrong. It's an overly commercial concept. It's badly conceived. It's badly executed. And then, to top it off, the voice acting is unbearable to hear. It's they decide to use the horrible, horrible, the kind of that really yeah, high yeah, yeah, yeah. helium voice for the characters. You don't know what he's saying. It's annoying to listen to. Uh, it's 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 a incredibly really bad and strange. I mean, everything about it is strange. The, like we just watched an episode where they're watching TV, and he said, "What? Is, why do they go on the TV?" They so, wanna... so they're watching Alice in Wonderland, oh, like right. a, a knockoff Alice in Wonderland on TV. <laughs> the TV like shorts out for whatever reason, and the Rubik's Cube is just like, that's our child, we're going to go into the cube. And like, that's a great Rubik's Cube. Right, thank you. Right? Yeah. And then like, <laughs> and he, they all go into the TV, and then they're in Alice in Wonderland yeah. universe, which is not a mystery, I'm going to throw out there as well. No, they no just sort of experience there. Alice in Wonderland, and there's yeah. a giant there, I guess. 
Yeah, this, everybody's favorite character from Alice in Wonderland, the, the giant. giant. <laughs> they, they couldn't, yeah. again, poor execution, bad concept, poor execution. The, so you have the theme of Alice in Wonderland. Let's, let's focus on the giant, the only character not in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, they weren't sure if it was completely in the public domain yet. Yes. Right. They're also sort of like allies with the Queen of Hearts, which is weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's that's, in, the grand, in the grand scheme of things, though, ever it's probably read Alice in Wonderland. Right. No, I don't think I they did. I didn't get a strong impression that they did. Although I will say, for like a shout out to this show, is that it was actually one of the first American animated series that had a mostly Latino cast. That like, was interesting. I wasn't expecting that. The kids in it oh. speak Spanish, and it's one of those things where you're like, oh, dang, I'm, I'm sorry, this is your representation. Watch out, <laughs> and, Blue Beetle. And wasn't, exactly. It wasn't, Katie, the theme song was sung by Menudo. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. So there was another you aspect. I guess dialing it on more eighties than yeah. what you're describing to me. It's, yes, uh, yeah, you a can gel bracelet on it and send it home. Now, <laughs> as a uh, real quick aside, he had to be solved right to come to life. Yes. Now, it wasn't that maybe a design choice because it'd be really hard to animate a mixed-up Rubik's cube constantly. <laughs> yes. So another. Another piece of lore I dug up is that he could uh, – Rubik could, I guess, like in moments of stress be like bonked or something and would get scrambled again. And another disturbing element of this is that you could hear him going, help, help, oh. like when he's, <laughs> when he's not solved, implying that if any kids had unsolved Rubik's Cubes in their home, they were in distress. Oh, oh, by the way, God, that we, would really work on me. Did we mention yeah. another uh, terrible aspect that Rubik speaks in broken English? He says uh, things like, kids like th- – me like kids, yeah. you know, like the weird things like, like that. But yeah, it's like – Kind of, like it's, dumb it's, Yoda. It makes Yoda sound like Shakespeare. It's like yeah. dumb Yoda. Dumb, <laughs> dumb Yoda. Now, that's a good idea for a kid's show, dumb Yoda. That I for some, like. For some reason, that's I would watch that. The Mandalorian. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yow. But, no, no. He's just a bead. Gloves are uh, off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dumb Yoda. No. Um, yeah, that show is disturbing it's on lots super of bad, so that's number two weirdest. Okay, are you ready for mm-hmm. the number one? Let's go. Number one Bring it weirdest home. show. Also, I would say one of the best shows in the history of television. That includes kids' television, adult television, all television. We mentioned it earlier, and that is a show called Pee Wee's Playhouse. Ah, yeah. that deserves that top spot. It is the top, beautifully, top, I, wonderfully weird. It is exactly. an absolutely wonderfully – because I, I would say we were just being very critical to other people's shows. I will say shows can be incredibly weird, and weird can, can equate creativity, and that's what Paul Rubens did. Rest in peace. One of the most creative, most interesting people. Changed my life watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure, watching Pee-wee's Playhouse. was a really big deal to me, and it was it, that show is a love letter to creativity. It is totally. one of the most creative, interesting – funny, visually exciting, inventive shows ever made in the history of television. Such a good ensemble cast mm-hmm. and, you know, like a stability of returning, I want to say gimmicks, but they right. they were just a little more off the wall than a gimmick would be. Oh, uh, gosh. The, yeah. the feeling I get when I hear that, that theme song. Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's that, so fun. That one is, like, seared in my brain. I did a lot of, like, 
80s kid basement watching, like solo basement watching a Pee-wee's Playhouse. It was just so cool. The, like, I mean, obviously we're talking about the animation. Is like the animated segments are just so weird. It's stuff you would see nowhere else in kids' media, especially yeah. like then. It was just like coming – I mean, so Pee-wee's Playhouse started running in 1986, I think around when Care Bears ended, and I was like a Care Bears kid. So to make the hard switch from Care yeah. Bears to Pee-wee was – awesome i was like oh i see this is like <laughs> this is what things can be <laughs> and, and, and look peewee's playhouse came after peewee's big adventure which i talked about at the top of this that like was a huge thing for me and like to be able to top peewee's big adventure is an impossible task i know and he may have done it he may have done it i mean both are amazing well, to say one yeah. is better than the other is impossible but i'm just saying you make a movie as incredible as peewee's big adventure and tim burton at the height of his young powers and then to make another show that was not derivative in any way i mean the yeah. obvious thing you could imagine they'd be like oh just give me peewee's big adventure as a show we'll do that oh it's a travelogue he goes to different towns he does a thing he's looking for his bike and he was like no no i'm wiping the slate clean clean I'm taking the Pee-wee character and I'm doing a completely different thing with it. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant and admirable and hats off to CBS for letting them do it and be yeah. as creative as they could be. And be and look, there was all kinds of really cool um, uh, care, like artists working on the show. I mean, that were like doing like avant-garde cartoonists he was hiring to do this stuff and build the sculptures. Uh, it's really, really an impressive like high watermark for Yeah, for, I mean, for shows. even the even the format of the show is totally borrowing from like stuff like Mr. Rogers, where there's this mm. like routine to it. There's like repeated segments, like obviously like the returning characters, like you guys said. I mean, like Cowboy Curtis. Come on. Um, yeah. I I'm Lawrence a big, Fishburne. Right. Exactly. I like I love Zombie. It's like there's it's like Cherry. I'm yep. so jealous that one of my animator friends got to go to their workshop and meet Cherry and Globy. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Let's let's go around the horn real quick and uh, talk about who's your favorite character, uh, Katie. Why don't you go first? Ooh. Pick one. I mean, honestly, I was like, a, uh, like I just lived to see Pee Wee talk. I know that's like an easy I cop know. out, but I like Pee Wee is so good. I just like I love how weird he was, and Pee Wee is like so like unabashedly himself. He's like so sweet. But he kind of is like sassy when he wants to be. Yeah. I'm like, Pee-wee's a treasure. Like his waters run deep and his spirit is indomitable. <laughs> oh wow! Right. Oh. Uh, Randy is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and I believe, and you know, one of the artists that I was referencing, Gary Panter. Uh, did designs for uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, and if anybody knows Gary Panter, he's like one of our biggest influences. He's a huge influence on Super Jail. Uh, and I mean, if you look at Randy, he's a weird character. It's really cool. Cherry is great. Cherry, <laughs> I, Cherry's like the character I wish I'd created on City Island. We have a lot of chairs, and uh, you know, I always have to be careful not to make it too much like Cherry because Cherry's just such a perfect character and such a wonderful, sweet character. Uh, Mr. Windows fun. I mean, there's just like a <laughs> Globy's great. The Globy, the globe that would spin around. I mean, there's just, they're all great. And like, by the way, this is another one I'm breaking the rules. It's not technically an animated show, but there was a lot of animated elements in it and puppetry. And it, again, it just feels like an animated show in live action, which is a really hard thing to pull off to do, you know, right. to make something work that's not actually animated, be, but be this cartoony. And they pulled it off and it's awesome. And it's one of the best shows ever made. 
Mm-hmm. What about you, Dan? You're muted, buddy. I really do like Randy too. Randy, <laughs> I I don't think I can choose him now, but yeah, he was the uh, like the howdy doody. Uh, yes, uh, but he was kind of like a jerk. He was yeah, yeah. just just a mean red hair, the freckles, the squinty yeah. eyes, like a, like a bully howdy doody. Yeah. Uh, but I gotta say, I think apart from the theme song, I would feel most engaged with the show when I was saying right along with them, Mecca Lecca Hi, Mecca Heine Ho. <laughs> yeah. Like it felt like, you know, when you applaud oh, to keep Tinkerbell alive, like I felt like I was, oh, they need me now. Yeah. <laughs> Even just the concept of like his head being like in this box, like so good. <laughs> Is it an obvious fun fact? Does everyone already know that the theme song is Cindy Lauper? What? It's it's Cindy Lauper and she's doing her impression of Betty Boop, but she used a fake name in the credits that says Ellen Shaw. Huh. How about that? No, no idea. Lauper. Fun fact. I, I love to tell you guys something you don't know because you guys know. Learning everything. stuff every day. Yeah. Oh well, that's how we learn, right? right? That's awesome. I mean, I knew she just wanted to have fun, so I'm glad <laughs> she was able to hook up with Pee Wee. Yeah, exactly. I it's uh, she she's great and she does she did um. Uh, I think uh, there was. Uh, she did a. Well, she was also was on uh, the Mario Brothers show. Oh, yeah, with Captain Lou Albano. Yeah, right, right. She right. did a guest starring spot around the same time on the Mario Brothers show. How about that? She also she was a a, a pretty big vortex of talent back then. Like, oh she, yeah, she's yeah. amazing. She's yeah. amazing. Wasn't she's she great. also? She's still awesome. Yeah, she was also big on uh, wrestling too. Yeah, she oh, was. Yeah. She was like in all the all the wrestlers. Yeah, she had good. Well, I think think her and Captain Lou were like good friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as a wrestler, oh, because he was yeah. in he was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun, right? Like he was the dad. He was the one that's yelling at him. Right, right, Captain right. Lou. Right. So, good times. The eighties. So we do our, do our little short. Uh, that's a great list. Was that's it a good list? Very. I'm comprehensive, glad I gave you guys a couple of things you didn't well know. Well researched. The number well of I wasn't familiar with. Awesome. Deep dive. Appreciate deep, it. Deep dive into bad uh, children's TV and yep. some good ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And I think, and before we wrap this up, though, I know Jimmy has a pressing question. Okay. Well, um, I know I've asked you this before, Aaron, but uh, I'm going to run it by Katie, and you can give a different answer if you like. But when I was a kid, I used to have to get and watch some of these marvelous cartoons. I have to get up real early on Saturday morning to beat my brother to the couch to get the good spot in front of the TV. <laughs> But I'd have to get up earlier than that to beat my parents into the kitchen to pour myself a big bowl of sugary goodness. So, <laughs> Katie and Aaron, what uh, what was your favorite bowl of Saturday morning cereal? And what cartoons did you actually watch? Ooh. Aaron, are you going first? I'll go first because I think I answered this my last one, and it's not that interesting of an answer. But my favorite cereal was always Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. The mm-hmm. one I didn't like plain Captain Crunch, but Crunch Berry cereal I was a big, big, big fan of. I like that a lot. That's a good one. That's good solid. Sugar. Yeah, I think you gotta have berries in. Otherwise, it's like when people say that vanilla is their favorite ice cream. I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, <laughs> um, I was definitely. I liked Kicks a lot. Speaking Kicks. of liking vanilla cereal or like vanilla ice cream is your favorite, I loved Kicks because they got all soggy, which yeah. now kind of like grosses me out a little bit. But for some reason, as a kid, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is it." <laughs> um, and I feel like the cartoons that I turned on were 
probably like honestly it wasn't a cartoon but power rangers was my like wake up at a ridiculously early hour and turn it on and like don't miss it because even if you haven't missed it it's still like such a bonkers plot that like you barely know what's going on from moment to moment um and for cartoons i'm like i was watching saturday morning cartoons in like the mid 90s Mm-hmm. I feel like I was doing stuff like one Saturday morning on ABC. So like I loved Recess, but I think that one came on a little bit later. So yeah, my like ass crack of Dawn show was definitely Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah I, I'm <laughs> a, absolutely counts. Yeah. I'm a I'm a Gen Xer, so mine were mostly '80s shows, um, which are of arguable quality. I get in <laughs> arguments all the time that things aren't necessarily good just because you liked them as a kid. And sometimes right. people go, oh, that was the best show. And, and you're like, nah, my, I actually have to watch this what stuff for work. And they're not great. <laughs> so mine are like the, like the, 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 the sweet spot of 80s shows, a lot of Hanna-Barbera, a lot of Filmation, uh, you know, obviously He-Man, Transformers, Thundercats, a lot of those types of shows were the ones that I was watching. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Oh, but there was DuckTales. Also- DuckTales was a big one for me. That's a good one. The, yeah. um, you know, there was yeah. also a weird period where a lot of, you know, I was the first generation of Nintendo. So they were like, I was the first, um, I feel like, group that was being marketed to for video game shows. So there was this, like, onslaught of shows like Donkey Kong Show, Pac-Man right, Show. Right, right, right. There was a lot there was a lot of those types of show. I think there was even like a Zaxxon show. There was like a they were basically yeah. like just digging the barrel of every video game that was popular. <laughs> uh so I was I was watching a lot of those. So I watched a lot of junkie shows. Luckily they were also playing shows like Looney Tunes. Uh yeah. Looney Tunes were getting rerun and I was seeing a lot of those. Um, so that was like hugely influential for me. Okay. I think we're at both the same a little time. too old for us to have caught the lunatics, edgy Looney Tunes no. reboot. Luckily, I think I was in yeah. college when they re- revamped the, Loon- the lunatics. Uh, but I think I did catch Anim- Animaniacs though. I think yeah. I think Animaniacs was was in my world. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That. I watched a lot of that stuff, but I also watched a lot of like. I, I like to watch like old like I didn't even know they were I was watching like sitcoms like like my mother the car and Mr. Yeah. Ed they were rerunning too I think Nickelodeon used to rerun those shows yeah. like Nick really early yeah. Uh, yeah but they were they were either late night and early they were like True. at five a.m. they were playing like Mr. Ed and I was like super into that and Leave It to Beaver I also was a big Golden Girls fan they used to play that <laughs> on the weekends I used to like watching that show so I don't know the vacation like, was beautiful. Right. I, I've, I've mentioned this before. My mother gets really mad when she hears me mention it, but I was a latchkey kid. So, like, I had no supervision a lot of the time. And uh, <laughs> I was just watching an insane amount of television. And it made me who I am today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Come out uh, the other end all right. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, this was so much fun. Yeah, and thank Jimmy, you so you much, Aaron. I'm sorry it took a while to get this all put together, but that was oh, so worth it. Anytime we will, if you wanted to talk about any any minutia of cartoons, we will be here. All right. Yeah, Somebody well, uh, say we'll talk too much. No, no <laughs> not <laughs> not much again. Not possible. It's a, it's a great forum. The podcast uh, generation. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, City Island. We can currently see that on uh, PBS, or do we have to go to YouTube? Uh, you can watch it on the PBS uh, YouTube channel, which is hugely popular. And also, look, just go to pbskids.org, and you can see yeah. every single episode, all 20 from season one, and watch out for the new episodes coming out, too. 
That's Roger right. Parents, that. show it to your kids. Kids, stop listening yeah. to this garbage. <laughs> Turn on PBS. <laughs> Watch cartoons. Is, all right, everybody. Is, I got to uh, hop off here, but my love to all. I really appreciate this, and I, I do want to do this again soon. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks, Thanks Jimmy. Hey, have a great rest of your week, guys. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Katie. Thank you. Have a good one. Captain Crunch, a mysterious island. Where? Uh, where? Oh, there. Let's explore it, Captain. Good idea. Now, careful, crew. Goodness knows what we'll find on this island. Goodness is right, Captain. Just taste these red berries. Why, they're crunchy. They taste like strawberries. But they're crunchy. Crew, we've discovered Crunchberry Island. Oh, just wait till I tell the folks at Quaker. Well, I did tell them. And now, besides regular Captain Crunch, there's a brand new cereal called Captain Crunch with Crunchberries. Sweet and tasty like regular Cap'n Crunch, but with genuine crunch berries in it. They taste like strawberries. Let's hear it for new Cap'n Crunch with crunch berries. A hearty cheer was more what I had in mind. Well, that captain really sounds like uh, he's on his deathbed, or yeah, it was kind of the dementia. Uh, or something. Kind of the What's going uh, on with it was the origin story of the of the Crunchberry. I mean, that, I mean, that was it. That was the first time. According to a man who sounds like he needs help getting to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, he was a little drunk. It was like a Dean Martin. <laughs> yeah, those crunch berries are like coal and cement once you eat too much of them. <laughs> are they fermented or what? <laughs> yeah, it might have been. <laughs> can you get a deep? Uh, can you get a DUI when you're on the seven seas? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, crunch berry gin. Pirate staple. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, big thanks again to Aaron Augenblick and uh, Katie Went for essentially doing our show. Yeah, making his fourth appearance uh, or something. They, they did all the legwork there, yeah, all yeah. the heavy lifting. God and some really them. good work. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good work. I was unaware of most of those shows. And uh, well, I, I kind of stopped watching Nickelodeon for some of the others that I heard of. Yeah. But it just goes to prove I don't think I, I don't think you can pick a kid's show that isn't like some weird yeah. up logic. They're all kind of weird for sure. Like um, mine was like the freaking Pac-Man show because that was weird because there was it was like Pac-Man people like going to work and going to the diner and then like these ghosts were just kind of chasing them around all the time. You know, so like, it, did, it, it, what it made, like, the no game at the or diner. the show make more sense to you? Like, did you question the game at all? Ugh. Well, no, because they're in this maze, yeah, eating pallets. That kind of makes sense. But like, if you, if, if like all of a sudden he's got to get in his car enough. and go to there's work, there's no context. You don't need it. <laughs> I don't really need it. Yeah, like, like there's that. kind of rules of the world that they're in. Now I don't know what's going on. You know. So yeah, that yeah, it's, yeah. They're but when all Pac-Man has to pay mortgage. Yeah, I don't get the go. When he, when he yeah. goes to work as like an, an insurance, you know, claims agent, he's just like wearing a tie and you know answering a phone. It takes you out of the game. Itself. That's exactly yeah. what happened with the Pac-Man. really like old age and responsibility, trying to catch yeah, up. Yeah, it becomes a lot dark and allegorical, yeah. uh-huh. yeah. mm-hmm. really, when you try and ground it. So something yeah. shouldn't be grounded, including apparently kid shows. Well, and um, I would say okay. For a way to send this episode off, mm-hmm. we at least, now that we've heard their list that they put a lot of work into, we can name some honorable mentions. I don't want to just outright and say, well, they should have had this. Well, I already named Pac-Man. So, that's, that's one. All right. 
Marquis already got his. Let's go around the table. Uh, the banana splits. Yeah, for the sure. The banana splits. Tell me why that's weird. Doesn't make sense because, as far as I can tell from Marquis' Pac-Man description, it made too much sense. <laughs> well, they were uh, these big furry characters, similar to um, the the beloved H.R. Puffin stuff. Mm. And they it was like a show. It was their variety show. So they had all these wacky intros and outros and bumpers for these three or four every week, different shows that were uh, the, the, the star of the show, like Electra Woman and Dinah Girl yeah. and Lost Island, I think, was one of the names of them. Yeah, yeah, and maybe, yeah all uh, still from the minds of Sid and Marty Croft. Right, Sid and Marty Croft. And I think, I want to say Wonderbug was one of those shows, or that might have been its own I show. I like think that. you might be right about that. Yeah. Again, you'd have to go back to that episode yeah, 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 we yeah. talked about when we interviewed him. Right. And it's not in my... Uh, Ram did but, did anybody uh, watch the show? It's a Billy Bob Thornton show, Goliath. Did anybody watch that show? Uh, oh yeah, he's like a lawyer. Yeah, did I you, did. Did you watch the second season? I did. Do you remember the H and R Puffin stuff scenes where they used H and R Puffin stuff? Another Marty Croft, which was I think number seven on his list. No, eight on his list. Mm, or well, no, it was number three. I'm sorry, I'm going in uh, reverse order. Ah. Um, but yeah. Uh, did did you I does this was it like all fucked up like well, all they, high or something yeah so just to just to kind of just to put a pin just to uh, put a, a a highlight on that how weird a kid show can be in the second series of very good show uh, the the murderer would play the H and R Puffin stuff theme song like he would show it like on a tv he had this whole room decked out like it was an 80s living room or a 70s living room and he would put his victim in there and it was mm. it was playing this song the whole time and i believe you know it was he would murder this person in the most vicious and cruel and crazy way so this song was basically the whole season of that of season two of Goliath, and this it made that it took that whole weirdness to a that whole other level. That sounds like it's part of a. <laughs> there's basically in the last few years a number of H and R Puffin stuff or Sid and Marty Croft properties have been sold off <laughs> yeah. to small filmmakers, probably for small pittance, yeah. who then turn it into horror. Yeah, so that's kind of yeah, what this was. Splits, they did that. Mm -hmm. They were like in the wake of the Five Nights at Freddy. Uh, madness. They yeah. turned H, uh, banana splits into like like these monsters that came alive at night and killed people that were stuck in the restaurant. Oh. Yep. And it's debatable if that is preferable to the uh, uh, land before I always, time. I always thought that's what the they did. Anyway. we got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, anyway, Johnny, Johnny Heck, what show Bring should it back up. have been on the list? What's an honorable mention? What frightened you? I think <laughs> when I really found weird watching it as a kid, and I watched it religiously, and and I'll tell you why it's weird in a second. But Spider Man and his amazing friends, oh, I love that show. It was Spider Man, Ice Man, and Firestar. Right? Yeah. For some reason, they're all living together. They're going to school, yeah. and with Aunt May, yeah. and the little dog, uh, Miss Lion. And they would hit a button, and their room would transform into like this cool <laughs> yeah. like computer the, headquarters, like the old casino. <laughs> right, everything would flip yeah. around. Table becomes yeah. computer desk. Like speakeasy. Right. Yeah. And then they'd all power up, and ice going to break the ice, which would never appear again. And I think it was weird because looking back, I mean, and if you compare it to current Marvel stuff, you're like, oh yeah, this is what we had, but we thought it was so rad. 
But they they never fought like Doctor Doom, even though he was in the intro. They'd fight like Video Man yeah. or some weird ass made up like villain. I don't know if they're just saving it for later. But I always just thought it was weird insofar as like we're trying to do something Marvel. Yes, it was for kids, but they were trying to make it kind of mainstream, but never kind of jump, you know, jumped over into that. I don't know. Just looking back, and I tried to watch on Disney Plus. I was like, damn it, you can't go home again. It just doesn't resonate. And then it was weird because I think uh, Angelica Jones is probably my first crush. You know, Firestar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, god damn. But where, where's the disconnect for you that they're fighting off-brand villains, or that in their regular identities are like some kids living in the city together? All of the above. Yeah. It just kind of like looking back, it didn't track. And at, at the time, you're like, oh yeah, you go to college, press a button on your room, it turns into like this cool computer <laughs> area. <laughs> and never. Um, yeah, never. Yeah, you live with your aunt who's like 60 years older than yeah, you. Like, like and there, uh, there is no, there is no backstory as to how they have the funds to do this. They're oh, all no funds. Yeah. They're all college kids. And I don't care if the community, funds aren't the issue. Community college. It's all <laughs> yeah. Peter custom making. He was the only one who was actually like the scientist, the smart one, engineer yeah. type. He would have been the only one who not only designed and fabricated all the computer systems, but he would have had to build out the flipping mechanisms and obviously buy out the uh, apartments below, above, and next to them so that there's room to do it. I'm, maybe that is the craziest part of that. Yeah. But as I, in my opinion, no offense, Johnny, but Spider-Man and his friends... One of the more grounded shows. Yeah, and it's I I, it's actually it, What if you went to that college and you got his apartment after they graduated? <laughs> what does this yeah. lever And you do? accidentally yeah lean back on what was it? Listen to me very carefully. Don't on something. Touch the candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> it was no Shakespeare bust. I'll tell you that. Ow. It's been done and better. <laughs> and better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I was just but trying to think of something on the list. Bruce yeah. Wayne had the funds, the resources. He was a millionaire. And obviously he had you know, execution yep. style, killed a bunch of contractors over the years. Back then it was a the little, I think back then it was a little easier to believe you could buy somebody off. You know, I don't think Bruce Wayne paid these, anybody. These days, <laughs> these days it's something. No, I do fun. believe he probably sent money to the families anonymously. After he killed them. Yeah. He yeah. set up a whole Wayne charity <laughs> to pay off the fucking family. For Batman's Him and Alfred could have done everything themselves. No, there's not enough time. I know that money's not an object. And this is an episode I hope we record one day. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk but about it. now, I want to say... Yeah, what is yours? My off-the-wall one that should have got a mention was, I think, the Snorks. Oh wow, that is which a weird was one. the spate, wow. which was just a blatant rip off the. Uh, I think it was actually from the Sporks, right? Palo or whoever of the Smurfs. Oh, it was yeah. underwater Smurfs. So I the think Smurfs it was the same were wild enough, and then they said, "How can we branch out? Let's just make them green. Give them little fucking snorkels for noses. Put them underwater." Which I don't know if you guys are aware. That's exactly what fucking happened with James Cameron. <laughs> Avatar Not got the idea. Not the first time this happened. Yeah. The guy goes straight to the Snorks route. Oh, wow. Which, again, was just the wildest thing. And I loved it, it was as a kid. Also, like, um, give me more different flavors. I'm not sure you guys are aware of this, Smurfs. but it was also the inspiration for Terminator. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of... 
Um, <laughs> inevitability. Sorry, I, I saw that thread hanging. I grabbed it. I, I was going to say the abyss. I thought that was closer, but yeah. you, you, you beat I knew me you were. That that's pretty good. Was, wasn't there some snorks in the Titanic as well? Did they finally hit the bottom? Uh, that's the origin story of the snorks. It was it was all the victims no, of the that's, Titanic. That's literally too grounded. <laughs> the Smurfs were wild and wacky enough as they were. Mm-hmm. The fact they didn't get a mention with their immense popularity, I'm surprised. But for me, Snorks just outweird them. Uh, and I think that's it. If anyone gets another contribution, it's not fair. So uh, yeah, I think that's about I think it. that's about enough of this. I know. Well, I I do want to say one thing before oh, is that this is I just I think it just bears a little mention that this is the this is the uh, um, our season premiere. This is our 11th season. It's a tradition that our first uh, uh, our first episode coming out of Comic Con. Fortunately, it is uh, September, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, depending on when it is what it is. You know what? And uh, I was wondering why Marquis got us all those old gifts. <laughs> yeah, he was here so we heartbroken. Go. We got him yeah. nothing. I'm sorry, buddy. So uh, I do want to I'm thank you guys. My, uh, branded uh, jumpsuit. Right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do want to thank everybody here in the room for uh, what's been ten great seasons. We're going to go into our eleven seasons. Hopefully, we'll probably be meh. And, season twelve. You know, yeah, way better. So I do want to apologize for season eleven, but uh, we 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 if promise. A dip in quality. It's because, well, of course, we have no writers, right? I'm yes, I'm starting right? to it's not stand with on. these writers, <laughs> these greedy writers. Yeah, um, but yes, thanks. Uh, thanks to all of you guys here in this room recording. Thanks to our listeners. There are several, and I do appreciate you. <laughs> um, and you know, fuck you, sponsors. You know, uh, you guys need to step up. Um, uh, okay, then I can I, unequivocally yeah. say that's enough. I feel like every yeah. single sponsor that you've reached out to has gotten back to you. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're right. I'm just sitting on a pile of money. <laughs> that's yeah. enough of this. Anyway. <laughs> that's now far beyond enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.